0: Well, good morning. <clears throat> I would invite you to turn to Psalm 120. Uh, this morning, we are continuing in our Psalms of Summer uh, series, but we're going to shift gears a little bit. Uh, in a couple weeks, we will dive back into Acts 8. Uh, and so, uh, this far, so far this summer, we have kind of just jumped sporadically through the book of Psalms. Uh, but for the next few weeks leading up, uh, to us jumping back in Acts, we're going to start teaching sequential psalms. Uh, and so this morning, we're going to start uh, in the Psalms of Ascension. Uh, so there's 15 of those, but the good news is that we're only going to cover the first three. Uh, uh, there's one preacher I was listening to actually preached uh, all 15 of them in a three Sunday series. And I was like, if me and Luke tried to do that, we would be here for three months. Uh, but anyway, so we're going to, this morning, we're going to dive in, uh, just begin to do the Uh, Beginning in Psalm 120, and we'll, like I said, for the next three weeks, kind of carry those or cover those. Uh, I want to remind you, you probably already found your way there, and I know Ryan mentioned it, but next Sunday following church, after we dismiss, we will gather back again real quick for a family meeting where we will vote to affirm our uh, next point team. Uh, and if you're not, if you haven't heard anything, if you're a member of Cross Point, uh, but you haven't heard anything about that, there are some papers in the back that kind of explain what that team is and the the team that we are proposing that we will vote and affirm on next Sunday. And so, uh, if you have any questions uh, between now and then, is the time to ask those questions to us as pastors. Like I said last week, don't ask the team because they're not officially the team yet. If you want to bombard somebody, bombard us right now. Now after next Sunday. I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, but anyway, if you have any questions, because next Sunday it'll be a silent vote, uh, we'll vote after service. So if, if there's any questions, uh, like I said, ask them, ask them this week. Uh, cool, everybody good with that? Sweet. Or if you have ideas, we'll, we'll, we've got a spot for those too. But anyway, Psalm 120. As I said, this starts as what is known as the Psalms of sin. So uh, what we see in the book of Psalms is really, uh, you, know, some, you know, a lot of them are, oh, great God, how great God is, that kind of a deal. But a lot of them, they just feel like a fight, right? It feels like the psalmist is in in some kind of battle. He is fighting for their faith. There's a a faith fight that is going on. And and I want to remind you kind of reason why that is, is because uh, definitely before we jump into these Psalms of Ascent, I kind of want to put something in your mind for you to think about over the next couple weeks. Right, So they're, uh, definitely in the Old Testament, if you're not familiar with the Old Testament, there's this tension that kind of that goes from Abraham all the way through until, until Christ. And it's, it's just the first one is that God has promised uh, Israel that they would be a great nation, that, that he would bless them and that through them the, the rest of the world would be blessed. Like There was a promise that God would make them a great nation. But the second factor is, is that Israel had a long history of idolatry. And because of that idolatry, they were always in captivity. They were always in a rule of another. They, were, they, were out, they weren't in Jerusalem or they were, they were under captivity of others. And so you see this tension through the book of Psalms of, of how the, the Jew would, would live his life and the idea of the promises that God has made them, but also this, they're not experiencing that. They're, they're under captivity of another, and you see this tension going on, and so when we get to Psalm 120, really we're going to dive deep into that tension, uh, and it's really not just a, a tension, it's more like a, a brawl where the psalmist is, is really struggling with what is going on. As I said, these are the psalms of ascent, what it really means going up. And so these would be psalms, these 15 psalms would be psalms that the Jews, the pilgrim Jews, as they were going to Jerusalem for a feast or festival, they would sing, because listen, Jerusalem was up, right? So as they were were ascending in their journey to Jerusalem, they would sing through these 15 psalms. And so what we see is that these psalms of ascent, they start at the, the place of deepest grief. When we think about Psalms, and we think about worship, and we think about that. Oftentimes, we, we think about mountaintops, right? Well, by Psalm 134, they will get there. They will get to the mountaintop. But in Psalm 120, he's in the deepest part of grief. And what we see is this ascension. It's, it's a going up from the deepest grief to the highest joys, if you were the, to, the, to the highest delight. As I said, these were sung by pilgrim Jews as they journeyed to Jerusalem, Jerusalem for different feasts and And let me read Psalm 120 real quick. This is crazy how these start, but this is that deep distress, if you will. Verse 1, Psalm 121, uh, Song of Ascents. It says, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given to you? What shall be done to you, you deceitful tongue? A warrior's sharp arrows with glowing coals from the bottom, from the broom tree. Pause for a moment. Like, man, that's not the worship songs we sing, right? Like, uh, it's pretty, but that—that's what I love about psalms. Is they're honest, they're ugly, they're they're nasty, but they're true, right? And so they don't they don't shy away from them. But anyway, so. What shall, what shall be done to this deceitful tongue? Uh, a warrior, sharp arrows and the glowing coals of the broom tree. Verse 5, woe to me that I sojourn in Meshach, that I will uh, dwell among the tents of Kedar. Too long I have had a dwelling among those who hate peace. I am for peace, and when I speak, they are of war. That's what I mean whenever this tension that we have uh, two realities in the Old Testament of this promise of God that, that 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 Israel would have their own land, that they would be a great nation, but the other reality is that because of their idolatry, they constantly found themselves under somebody else's captivity. What we see in Psalm 120 is we dive into that tension. Here's this, here's this man that, that, is, that is not in his land. He's, he, he, he's a sojourner, he says, and there's this tension that we see, but even then, there's this the is envisioning a day when Israel would, uh, would be out of the foreign land, that there was a hope that we see through the Psalms of Ascension, even though we're not going to get through all of them, that there's a hope that is focused on the deliverance uh, the Messiah would bring and rescuing his people from their captivity and restoring Jer- Jerusalem. So this morning, as we start, as I said, the Psalms of Ascent are, they start in the deepest grief And they end up in the highest delight. This morning, we're jumping into the the deepest grief, if you will, as as the pilgrim, the Jewish pilgrims began to make their way to Jerusalem, they started in this deepest grief. And so if you're taking notes, how I'm going to do this is that we're going to see really three points. And I actually, I titled this sermon, Distant, Distressed, and Delivered. Distant, distress and delivered. So first of all, we see where the psalmist is, is in verse five and seven. Or verse five, he says, Woe to me that I sojourn in Meshach and that I dwell among the tents of Kedar." One thing that we need to always remember is that psalms are different than than historical narratives or when we get to the New Testament, then Psalms is, is poetry. And a lot of times uh, things are meant to be understood. And I'm, I'm not a poetry guy and it never made sense to me. And I didn't know what was, is, this, is he really there? Is, he, is, it, is it an imagery? And so what we understand here is that the, 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 the Meshach and Kedar they literally, one was to the north and one was to the south. And what the, what the Psalmist is telling us is that he, he's not where he wants to be. Uh, he, he, and there's this image here is, and he actually says that I sojourn in Meshach and I, and I dwell among the tents of Kedar. He is, he is, he's not where he wants to be. He's a sojourner. He's an alien in a foreign place. And then as they begin this journey to Jerusalem they begin this upward ascension, they start with where they are. There's this distress within them that they are not of, they're not where they're supposed to be. Are right with me? Like, where they are, they're not comfortable with. They don't love living among the Gentiles. They don't love living among the heathen, if you will. They are sojourners, which means they're unsettled and they're dreaming of a better day. What we see in this text is that he laments that where he's living. He laments that he's living in this world, and actually he gives a description of this world in verses 6 and 7. Uh, He says, too long uh, I have made my dwelling among those who hate peace. And he says, I am for peace, but when I speak, they are of war. He says, I'm living in a place that I'm all about peace, but they're all about war. They're all about destruction. They're all about craziness going on. I'm about peace, but this land that I'm in, I'm not. I'm not of that. But actually, if you see it in verse two, when he talks about what the the lying lips and the deceitful tongue, that he's he's a part of a land that man. He's for truth, but they're for lies. So as they begin to make their journey to Jerusalem, they're singing this psalm of saying, we're sojourners in a place that, that, that just loves war, and we love peace, but they love war. We love truth, but they love lies. And they begin to, is, is anybody like, man, I, I'm, I'm connecting with this. We, we, we should be getting there. As a, psalm, as a psalmist or a psalter begins to move, they're saying, hey, we're sojourners. And, and listen to me, sometimes psalms are... We have to work really hard to bring like, life, like, just straight, easy application out of a psalm. But I have to mention this, that this, this picture of a pilgrim headed to Jerusalem is a foreshadowing of a believer headed to heaven. Right, you, you catch me. So in their mind they're they're singing through, I'm a sojourner here and this I, I'm not of this place. I, I'm about peace and they're about war. I'm about truth and they're about lies. And they're ascending, they're going up to Jerusalem. It is a foreshadow of us as followers of Jesus, headed to heaven. We're we're a part of a place that, man, we're of peace, but there's there's wars and there's there's division and man, we're of truth, but but they're of lies and and oftentimes, we, this is application that, that we often lament living in this world who loves lies and war. Am I the only one who gets tired of being in this place? And so as a psalmist, as he's saying, I'm a sojourner, how long do I have to be here? Us as followers of Jesus, that's, that's, that's how we oftentimes feel. We find ourselves as, man, I'm not from this place. Right? Like it... As a matter of fact, that's what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 to says, Beloved, I urge you as what well sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. And here you go, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that you, when you speak against the, you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day of visitation. And even Peter there says, Listen to me, church. You're not of this world, you're, you're sojourners, you're aliens, you're living among the heathen, if you will, to go in Psalms terminology, like you're living among the outsider, but that's not your home. And let's be honest, you know, I work in a church, so a lot of times the people I talk to come to me and we're going to talk about church things, but the reality is there are people that you work with that you just don't see, you don't see life the same. Or you don't see the world the same. You see it one way and they see it the other. Because as, as, as children of God, as followers of Christ, we, we see the world through a different lens. Why? Because it's like the psalmist, we're sojourners in this place. This is not our ultimate home. And just that same picture of this, of the... Pilgrim, Pilgrim Jews that are going to Jerusalem, they're they are not happy with where they are. They're, their hearts long for something greater. So should ours. So we're sojourners here. Uh, maybe you just need to be reminded. Sometimes I need to be reminded of that. Wait, I'm, I'm going this way. There's a joke. So we, Ashley's dad is running the live stream today. So uh, he, it's his first time. And so Michael Tress evidently has me and Luke memorized and know what we're doing during that talk when they were talking about the cameras. It's like, yeah, Justin always goes left first. And so that's why I did this. Now I'm going this way <laughs> to, to prove him wrong. I messed Poppy up back there. Uh, but anyway, maybe we need to be reminded. I know I need to be reminded sometimes. Like, hey, like, like, don't sink your roots too far into this place. Because this, this is not our home. We have a higher greater place. I'm not saying like don't work hard to make wise decisions and leave a legacy for like I'm not saying like but remember there's something else that's greater than this life that's awaited and promised to me in you. So the psalmist where is he he's he's distant. He's not he's not he's sojourning in a land that that's not his. He he he's sojourning in a place where it's not his home, and he's distra- and he's he's not happy about it. So we see where he is, but verses one and two is how we find him, how he is. Verse one says, "What in my distress I call to the Lord." When the psalmist here, he he's perplexed. He is uh, the word distress. There is uh, experiencing like deep anxiety or sorrow or pain. Is that because? of the situation of him being a sojourner, but also specifically what's causing this distress is verse 2. From lying lips and a deceitful tongue. He's distressed by the the heathen or the outsider who has forsaken truth and, and has slandered him. And we don't know specifically here what deceit or slander, if it was against the psalmist, Alone, or or was it just God? But either way, the lies of the the lies of the heathen, the lies of those who didn't trust God, and he was distressed. Rather the. The, the, the voice of the, that age was saying that, that Yahweh wasn't the one true God, that there were more gods, that he was the same as all these other guys or gods, or you don't really have to follow this God. You can do it this way or that way. Either way, the, the lies of, of the land in which they were living and the deceit of the tongue, he was under great distress. Lies about him, lies about God. Which is another point of application is that, you know, we live in a culture that the truth has been rejected. See, so not only are we sojourning, but like I guess our lens is completely different. The way that we operate is is different than the ways of the world. And we see the psalmist there is under distress because he's not where he's supposed to be, and everything around him is contradicting that which he knows to be true. In Romans chapter 1, verse 25, it says, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever, amen. What we understand is that God's truth is challenged constantly in a plural, pluralistic society. You know, one thing that our, our culture hates, they don't hate Jesus, they, they hate the exclusivity of Jesus. That Christ is the only way. You're good saying Jesus is cool as long as you don't say he's the only way to heaven. What happens is what we see is in this culture, and we don't know specific lies, but what we understand is that he was sojourned and there were these lies that these people were, were, they were, they were rejecting the truth of who God had revealed himself to be. And man, that's where we find ourselves as well, that more day by day, more and more our, our, our culture that calls us to be tolerant is becoming intolerant or intolerant. Yeah, you're good all the way through as long as you don't say this is the only way. And I don't you forget, remember the, the context of this psalm. The Psalms of Ascent. They were headed to Jerusalem. But here's a note that I made that may be, may be helpful for application for you today is that the Psalms of Ascent don't start at the mountaintop. And that's something I can relate to. Anybody else? Because not every time I walk through those doors am I on the mountaintop. Maybe I'm the only one that struggles. I, get, I saw two people do this. Not every, not every day and not every Sunday am I, am I walking in here and I've had like the best week and I've been faithful to the Lord all week long and I've studied enough and I've prayed enough and I've, I haven't had any arguments with Ashley. My kids haven't got on my nerves yet. And some, more times than not, our worship of God doesn't start up here it's 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 in the deepest part of our grief and our hurt and our our coming up short right that's where we see this these psalms of ascent beginning is in this deepest grief the dude is distressed he is homesick if you will life and the lies around him is weighing him down and at that point they begin to ascend to the presence of the lord so i wrote these things down if, that, if, that, if that's where you find yourself this morning, keep heading towards Jerusalem. I don't know, maybe they were the extreme north, maybe they were extreme south, wherever, and you could imagine, like, as they began, I, I don't know how it went, but I think about a road and I think about when it first starts, there's like six Pilgrim Jews. And as they keep going, there's like 12 Pilgrim Jews. And then there's like, before long, there's a big mass of people walking to Jerusalem. Could you imagine if their distress kept them from keep walking? What did they do in their distress? They kept walking and they were processing their distress in the presence of the Lord. I'm calling out upon the name of the Lord. I'm calling upon Jesus. And real practical here, whenever we are distressed, and maybe even slander, Let go slander specifically. Man, slander hurts so bad often, right? Let's be honest. There's, there's a, we have shields from a lot of things, but when people just, when they just slander, they tear us down, we don't really have shields for that. We, we take it wide open, right? And here's a pr- very practical thing, and I don't remember who I read this from, but when, that, when we're distressed, one way that we should be respond is be silent towards man, but call out to the Lord. He's distressed. Maybe, maybe he's like Nehemiah and been slandered, right? But what's his response? In my distress, I called, called upon the Lord. And that's just good practical knowledge for us which also means, because we don't know all the context of what these lies are, is that could it have been as simple as I don't like what you have on to your God doesn't exist. What am I'm saying is there's nothing too small or big that God doesn't want us to come and call upon him for. And notice, I call to the Lord, there you see this line so in Psalm, all capital Lord, which is what? The covenant name of, is Yahweh. It's the covenant name of our God, which means what he's doing, he's calling upon the faithfulness of God. The God who is the same as Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the God who is, has always been faithful to his plans, his purpose, and his people. He says, listen, I was distressed. I'm sojourned, but I know God's faithful. He's made a covenant with Abraham, Right? Even though this promise that he's been given to our people that we'll be a great nation in our own land, even though I'm not experiencing that, I'm still calling upon that name because I know he's faithful to who he is. Are you following me? That's the name that he's calling out to. So we see that he was distant and that he was distressed. But number three, and I'm thankful for this, that the advantage or the, the blessing of trouble from me and you is that it makes us call upon a God who hears us. Right? So there's a blessing in distress. There's a blessing uh, in, in those struggles. It, it, it leads us to a place that we're going to call upon the Lord. But number three, if you're taking notes, is that he was delivered. Verse one says, I call to the Lord and what? He answered me. And what did he cry out? Deliver me, O Lord. What does that mean? He's literally saying, Lord, get me out of this place. I don't want to be here anymore. He's under so much distress. He's so tired of, get me out of here. This is not my home. I'm ready to get past this place where there's, there's, there's wars constantly and there's nothing but lies that everybody that submits to. They reject truth. They re- reject the truth of who God is. Deliver me from it. Deliver me out of this place. Get me out of here. And what we see this psalmist, and this could be a whole sermon here, but I'm not going there, but what we, what we see definitely in these guys, it's not always true for them, but they had a distaste for this world. To where on the contrary, I don't know what, if there's a distaste anymore. So that's the sermon it could be, but I'm not going that direction because that's not where we should go right now. It says, get me out of here. Verse three and four says, he asks a question to the He personifies the lie and the deceit by calling lips and tongues. Right? He says, What shall be given to you? What shall be done to you, you deceitful tongue? So here he is. He's homesick, he's distressed, he's processing these things in the presence of God. And then I think this is how these things happen is that God, the covenant Lord, reminds him of a future judgment for wickedness. What does he say? A warrior's sharp arrows with glowing coals of the broom tree. <laughs> he, what he's saying is that, that God is giving him a future promise of deliverance. Not that he was out of that world yet, because they were still headed to Jerusalem. But what, what did God do? He gave them a future promise of a deliverance. That one day there will be a judgment and he gives the picture of an arrow. And, you know, I like to bow, I'm not that good at it, but uh, but it says that uh, that picture of an arrow is something that is that is swift and is sure and it's sharp. Right, That's that picture of, the, of the, what the psalmist is thinking out and he's penning he's processing is I'm, I'm not where I'm supposed to be and right now I am full. There's wickedness all around me that there's wars and there's lies but one day God will put judgment upon all of this as swift as an arrow. And I believe it was God's promise that enabled him to Keeps ascending. Of a future promise that that one day, and listen to me, that's what Psalms is. You know, Psalms starts that way? Not like with an arrow, but the idea of, you know, Psalm one, it begins Blessed is the man who, you know, we know that, who, but verse four says, but the wicked are not so. They're like a shepherd that, uh, that the wind drives away and the wicked will not stand the judgment. All, all through Psalms, there's this picture that there will be a judgment upon wickedness, which means deliverance for the righteous. And so the psalmist, as he's crying out in processing, he, rem- he remembers, listen to me, it may seem like that's an eternity away, but one day, and it will be swift, God will wipe away all wickedness. It will be done with. Psalm 64 is a pretty good cross-reference, Psalm 64. I tell you all the time, I went in Bible drill, so not that fast. Psalm 64, 7 through 10, speaking of the wicked, it says, But God shoots his arrow at them. They are wounded suddenly. They are brought to ruin with their own tongues turned against them. All those who seem to see them will wag their heads. Then all of mankind fears. They tell God what was what. Uh, sorry, they tell what God has brought about and ponder what He has done. Let the righteous one rejoice in the Lord and take refuge in Him. Let the upright in heart exult. What He's saying is, listen. There will be a day that all that's wrong will be made right. We understand that. But there will be a day that evil no longer prevails. The truth of who Jesus is will reign. There will be a day, listen to me, that we won't be aliens or sojourners anymore. And it'll be swift, like an arrow. What's the application here? First of all, that Jesus is the arrow that the Father shot. That we see in Psalm 67 that it was Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection that disarmed the principalities and powers and authorities. It was him who delivered us. Then there will be an end to wickedness one day. In Acts chapter 2, 33-35, one that we cover when we walk through Acts is, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he, himself said to, uh, but he himself said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. We have a promise. We talked about this uh, when we're walking through Acts, that the session of Jesus, that Christ is now seated. And what is happening right now through the gospel and through victories and things like that, that God is now subduing all of the enemies of his son. And then one day, ultimately and finally, all will be subdued. So what does that mean for us? One day God will call us home, church. One day, the great thing about salvation is when we're saved, we're saved from the, from the penalty of sin. right? As we're being sanctified, we're getting, actually we're delivered from the power of sin too, but as we're being sanctified, we're getting delivered from the the satisfaction of sin or the pleasure of sin. But I'm thankful for the last tense of salvation is that one day we'll be saved from the presence of it. And that's that picture that the psalmist says here, listen to me, This, this world is the way that it is that I have to live in because sin is here. One day it will be done away with. So our eyes are there. The psalm is super, super relatable for us. I want to end it like this. So as, you, as you walk through the psalms of sins, you have Psalm 120 who starts in distress. You just flip over to Psalm 134 real quick, and it's just like all positive. Like, come bless the Lord, right? All you servants of the Lord who stand day and night in the house, lift up your hands, To the holy place. So it literally starts from this place of despair, and they get to this. They get to the top. It's like let's shout to the Lord, right? And then you go. You keep going in Psalms past the Psalms of ascent. It's like His steadfast love in Psalm one thirty six. Then you get to Psalm one thirty seven. It's like you know we're on the mountaintop. Then all of a sudden, what it it drops back down. Actually, Psalm one thirty seven one says this: "By the waters of Babylon, there we sat down and wept." It drops back down again. And he asked this question in Psalm 137.4, and this is how I want to end it this morning. And I think it's super relatable for where we are in this psalm. Um, the psalmist asked this, 137.4, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? And it's a great place. I think it's a great question for us to ask to respond to this. Because we're, we're sojourners. And we're, we live in a place that rejects Christ become more and more hostile in the cultural climate that we live in with the things that are going on politically, economically, right? All the, the, the division that we have, the, the evil that is, that is at our front door, if you will, things that used to be done in, in secret and private now celebrated. How can we sing the song of the Lord in this land? That's exactly what the psalmist is asking. If we're pilgrims, we're sojourners, we're aliens, how can we sing the song of the Lord in this land? I found this quote. It says this, we sing the Lord's song here by breathing in air from there. I want to say that. We, we sing the Lord's song here by breathing in air from there. We keep our hearts and our minds focused on the ascent, the heaven, if you will. We keep walking towards Jerusalem. We fight for faith and we understand we don't fight alone, but how do we? We come to understand that he holds us and his promises to keep us, that as Piper says, that we're immortal until God is done with us. So the next question is so how do we breathe the air from there while we're still down here? And I'm not I'm not using this just to be try to be catchy or anything like that. But at cross point practically, how do we breathe the air from there so that we can sing the song of the Lord here? We commit ourselves to God's truth, God's people, and God's mission. Hey Justin, what is what does that mean? We commit ourselves to God's truth because when we go to it, we start breathing in heaven there of God's faithfulness to us and his promises to us, that he's keeping us, that he's holding us, that he's working all things for the good, that there's a plan and a purpose and that one day he will do what he's promised We commit to God's word because it is what challenges us. It encourages that. That's where God speaks to us. So if we want to breathe the air of heaven, we go to God's word and it begins to speak and gives life and puts oxygen in our lungs. We commit to God's people, right? We, we're a people in place that we're going to get together and we're worshiping with one another. We're, going, we're encouraging one another. We're spurring one another on to good deeds and, and good works that we, as we come, we get a picture of what heaven will be and we begin to breathe in air from there that, that this world tries to suck out of us. We're people in places where we go and we meet in small groups that each and every week we have people who are checking on us, who are encouraging us, who are challenging us, Why do we need those things? Because this world is heavy, it's dark, and it can be consuming. What we need is the word of God to remind us that that's our home up there. We need people of God to remind us that's our home up there. And lastly, we commit ourselves to God's mission. Why is that? Because mission creates perspective. It reminds us of the not permanence of this thing and the eternity of the other side, right? It gives us purpose that we're not just idly waiting for Jesus to return. We pray, come Lord Jesus, like, deliver me, O oh Lord, right? Like we're calling out, we're crying out for that. But when we're connected to God's mission and seeing those who don't know the Lord come to, come to believe in Jesus, it reminds us of our purpose and it gives us perspective in life. And those three things, I believe, will allow us to begin to continue to breathe the air, if you will, up there. That our eyes, as Paul, it's another way of setting our eyes on things above. All right? I just used a catchier way to say it, if you will. Those three things help us keep our eyes up. Those three things help us keep ascending, walking towards Jerusalem. And when we deny ourselves of those things, it, Gosh, it hurts us. It hurts us. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to get out of the way. I don't know if you walked in distress this morning, but know this, that if you walked into a worship service distressed, then there's nothing wrong with you. It's called your human. Matter of fact, the Bible, when they started their journey to Jerusalem to worship, it started in distress. I'm thankful to be at a place that we don't have to check distress at the door. We can come in here and we can process it in the presence of the Lord. Whatever that distress may be, whatever that is that's causing you worry and stress and pain, whether it's slanders of others or if it's something that's self-inflicted. Let's be honest, that's, that, that, most of the time, a lot of times it's self-inflicted. I know for me, but I'm the only pagan, or not pagan, I'm the only sinner in here. Y'all are perfect. A lot of things are self-inflicted. Either way, we can, probably, we can call upon the name of the Lord because he's faithful to who he is. Right? He, he's faithful. That's what the psalmist taught us. And he will answer. He will hear and he will answer. It may not be the answer you like. It may be saying, hey, you need to come. You need to confess some things. There's some pride you need to let go of. There's some sin in your life that you just need to, you need to, Say the same thing I say about it, which means to co- to confess sin. in First John literally means to say the same thing about it that God says. Maybe that's where we start at in the just dis- distress when we're processing things in the presence of the Lord. And it's not about you know when it comes while we commit ourselves to God's truth is because it He is who sets the standard of what sin is sin isn't. So we commit ourselves to it. And no matter what we think or think about it is, we submit to it. And that's everywhere in life, is that this is what the Lord has said, so therefore I submit to it. But the good news is, whatever you come with, to him with, he's faithful and just to forgive. So I'm gonna pray. I said that 12 minutes ago, but I'm gonna pray. Then I'm gonna move out of the way. And if you need to come down here, Use this as altar. I'll be standing down here on the front row. Luke's in the back. I think Paul, Paul's over here as well. And if you're a lady and you feel more comfortable talking to a lady, not a man, then we can connect you with we have many awesome saints of women in this place that would love to connect you with. let Father, we love you. God, we thank you for your love for us. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these psalms, God. We thank you just for the, the honesty of psalms, uh, really the honesty of your word all the way through, but that they're not always pretty, but they're always productive. So I gotta pray whatever's going on in each and every heart and mind this morning, God, that it'll call upon your name. God, remind us of your promises. God, we thank you that we can look back upon things that these psalm writers were looking forward towards, and know your, your plan in sending your son to disarm our enemy. God, we thank you for the cross, we thank you for your empty tomb. God, we thank you that we stand in victory today because Christ has been risen and he's seated at your right hand. God, may we live, may we obey in that victory. God, I do pray and I confess even for myself, God, that oftentimes we are tempted and fall into that temptation of Developing a, a taste for this world. Gotta pray even in my own heart that you would create a heart in all of us, like the psalmist, that there would be a distaste for a place that's not our home. We confess where we've built castles and stored up treasure here. <clears throat> Teach us to, to look, set our eyes on heaven, to breathe in the air from there so that we can sing your song here. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. You can stand and respond as the Lord leads.